During the initial phase of the pandemic, essential items were considered to be things like food, hand sanitizer, and of course, toilet paper. But as the stay-at-home orders began to span months, the definition of what was essential has shifted. Now it includes products that keep us occupied, that help us to work and learn from home, things that help us to prepare meals. And many of these products fall under the general merchandise umbrella. In this podcast, I speak with Howie Cohen, general merchandise category manager for Bartell Drugs, about how their consumer shopping activity around general merchandise has changed over the past few months. We also discuss how the stay-at-home orders have impacted Howie's day-to-day activities as a category manager and the role that virtual has played in them. And since he also participated in ECRM's recent pet virtual session, we talk about his experience using the platform and the opportunities it presents for him in sourcing products in other GM segments as well. This is actually my third interview with Howie, who's just an all-around awesome guy. And you'll not only find this discussion informative, but very entertaining as well. Enjoy. Welcome, everybody. Joe with ECRM here. And I have with me Howie Cohen, who is the category manager for general merchandise over at Bartell Drugs. Uh, He was a participant in our recent virtual pet session that we held earlier this week. And uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about that, some a little bit about uh, pet trends as, as well. So, Howie, thank you for joining me again. <laughs> thank you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So it's, uh, it's good. This is what? Uh, this is our third time together. So yep. uh, the first time, I believe, was last year. Um, so, yeah, uh, before we get into a little bit of the trends and a little bit about the, the virtual experience, can you, for those people who may not be familiar with Bartel, can you give a quick overview of Bartel and what your role is there? We are a regional drug chain based out of Seattle. So uh, it's a family owned company. It's been in the family for uh, four generations now. Uh, generation five is a little tiny baby and she's adorable, but uh, four generations of family running the company. We have uh, 67 locations around Puget Sound. Uh, so all within about 60 miles of downtown Seattle. And we've been there for 130 years. And uh, I have been with Bartels for 35 of those years and uh, kind of at all levels, cashier, store manager, and uh, been uh, category manager and down at the office for about 14 years now. Well, it's funny you said down at the office because that's not where you are right these days. <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, down at the office. you know, which is a good segue into my, my next question is, you know, with this whole uh, uh, your area was one of the first to do the stay at home and a lot of the major companies, you know, you have Amazon out there, you know, have their uh, employees working from home, you know, at the same time, while these people are home, there's been a lot of people buying pets, you know? So I was just curious on the, the, you know, as far as trend wise, have you noticed a difference, uh, you know, since this has all been happening? in your category, whether it's, you know, the amount of products they're buying, the type of products they're buying, or, you know, uh, or just the way they're buying them? Uh, we've I've noticed a tremendous difference. So it's, it's been pretty dramatic shift in the customer's shopping behaviors. And I manage a fair number of categories here. And so I can see the changes across different things. 
And and we're we're seeing a lot of what you're hearing out there is that people are buying essential categories and they're not buying the non-essential categories. But what people deem essential is certainly a whole lot different than it was in February. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, one of my best uh, category increases have been in uh, we call it sporting goods. It's basically home exercise equipment, and um, you know it's not not anything we ever necessarily called essential before because so many people just went to the gym but when the gym's closed now it's essential so you know triple digit increases for you know going on four months now um same thing with pet pets always been a terrific category for us and uh, it's been doing well for for years with solid uh, growth but since uh the virus hit it has uh ramped up pretty dramatically and it's stayed up so uh, we've been having solid increases every month since uh, since really the beginning of March. And you know, January and February were okay, but just just okay. And then March uh, really took off, and it stayed stayed there since it hit. And that's through the cycles. So March, when things started becoming sort of hectic and and moving really quickly in March, where the realization of this spread and how quickly it was growing was hitting everyone and everyone starts taking um, steps to react to that. And that's when you saw the panic buying on toilet paper and panic buying on food. We saw the same panic buying on pet food. Pet food surged just like any other groceries did, just like toilet paper did and cleaners did. So huge spike in pet food purchasing in March really didn't do that much of a spike on supplies. You didn't really see it necessarily in puppy pads or toys, but the food and the treats just threw the roof in March. In April, the stay-at-home orders hit. So a pretty strict stay-at-home order here in Washington. And so the store traffic dropped off, you know, massively from the March peak. Um, You know, from everyday levels, it was down a fair amount on store traffic, but with behavior you saw is people would get more in the basket. So they were much more deliberate trips. They'd come in and they would really stock up when they were out in the stores. And so we saw that again with pet food. It didn't really drop off that much from March because even though there were fewer trips, they were still buying bigger baskets and getting more things. And if they were gonna try something new, they'd put it in the basket while they were there in the store. So the volume has stayed there even as the traffic has been impacted by the stay home orders. Gotcha. What about uh, pet toys and accessories? You know, I know on like for parents of humans, <laughs> toys have become pretty essential to keep their kids occupied. You know, is it the same for pets? It's the same. I would say it's not to the same degree that it is for humans. Um, a large part of my life right now is dedicated to tracking down orders of puzzles and board games. <laughs> um, the corollary for the pets, we definitely saw an increase in pet toys since the virus hit, um, just not as dramatically as we saw with food and with treats. Um, but we definitely have seen an increase with the pet toys that we have. Uh, uh, interesting to me, and I'm not sure if this is reflecting our assortment or not, but it's it's been more dramatic with cat toys than it has with dog toys. Um, hmm. Both are up, but cats have been a little stronger. So you know, I'm not sure why that is, but it's interesting. Uh, you know, I might have an idea because I've been watching a lot of these virtual meetings and, you know, jumping in and out, you know, of the ones that are happening. Plus, we have a lot on our staff, too. And it seems like the cats are much more distracting than the dogs. The cats are always jumping up on their desks, 
And I've been snapping pictures of our team members with like cattails, like right in the middle of their face as they're walking <laughs> back. And the dogs don't do that, but the cats do that. So maybe, and this is just my theory here, maybe it's, you know, a lot of these people are trying to distract these cats and keep them off of their desks during these. That can be. That can be. When I close the door to my office here to do a meeting like this, uh, generally my cat's reaction to that is to throw her entire body weight against the door to let me know that it should not be closed for her. So. Wow. That's pretty cool. I like, I like that. I, I like troublemakers like that. Yeah. Last year, we, when I met you for the first time and had you on my panel, you were just getting ready to start with pet CBD. Mm -hmm. Now it's a year later. How is that going? Or, you know, what, what's happened with that? Um, it's been a great addition to the category. So it's, uh, it's, it's a solid kind of week in, week out performance. Mm -hmm. Um, I think what we're finding is we're sort of finding our way with the right mix of products and the right mix of vendors. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's been sort of constantly changing over the year. Um, vendors consolidation, you're starting to see that now. And I yeah. think the, the economic impact of the virus is going to very quickly shake out a whole lot of vendors in the category. So we'll see a lot of consolidation there and you'll, you'll get down to a, a much smaller group of uh, important players in that category. Mm -hmm. um, for us, it's just been finding that right assortment and it, it'll continue to evolve. But you know, for me, it's the mix between, you know, biscuits and soft chews and tinctures and balm all the different delivery methods that we we have on the shelf and then really the seasonality of it too so you like everything else you get a lift in the holidays uh, mm -hmm. uh you know we're, we had a lot of messaging in the holidays around dealing with the stress of the holidays mm -hmm. uh that will be even more true this year with uh all the uh, virus worries on top of that if if it's still prevalent in fourth quarter how do you do a family dinner and things like that? There will be a lot of added stresses that CBD will definitely be one thing people turn to to address that and mm -hmm. for their pets as well. So you have the seasonality there. The, the thing that surprised me the most, and I pushed to sort of prep for it and play it up, was how big July 4th was. So um, July 4th is the Christmas of the pet CBD world. So um, oh, yeah. uh, volume there uh, caught us off guard i would say and that's going into it thinking we're prepared this is going to be a big deal let's get ahead of it um it was still bigger than we expected so we'll, we'll see how many fireworks are going off this year i think there will still be plenty maybe even more without without big central displays you might have more neighborhood displays it'll impact pets more so yeah um, it's coming very quickly here the christmas of the oh. pet cbd world so be ready that's right that's right i remember watching uh my uh Ant's dog, he goes into, they have a walk-in closet, and he, like, goes in the back of that closet when stuff like that's going on. So yeah. uh, I can definitely see uh, how far in advance before 4th of July do they, does that start peaking. It really starts about a week out before it really gets noticeable. Mm -hmm. But it's like everything else for seasonal people always think they're prepared. You know, you always have that one weird friend that announces on October 2nd that they're done with their Christmas shopping, and I don't know how they do it. But um, with Pet CBD, it was July 3rd and July 4th. Those were the huge days. Oh. Uh, 
those two days were about 40% of the volume for a two-week period. Wow. Okay. Yeah, but yeah, people, I'm a last-minute shopper myself. It's like the week before, two weeks before Christmas. That's, that's me. So. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Christmas, uh, you know, gift cards on December 23rd and December 24th. That's what the pet CBD does on July 3rd and July 4th. So what about now, uh, you know, we, we were talking about pet before, but what about some of the other general merchandise categories? You mentioned the sports uh, products. <clears throat> what about, you know, like kitchenware or other types of things like that? Yeah, well, the obvious ones are cleaners and toilet paper, household papers through the roof and cleaners are through the roof and everything's on allocation. So getting product is a challenge and, uh, you know, trying to be a little bit scrappy and find alternate sources for products has really been the... Uh, the way to win at that and we have like local wineries here in washington and distilleries that converted to hand sanitizer so i have these beautiful wine bottles full of uh, both a surface and hand sanitizer that are selling terrific and supporting another local family-owned winery um and same thing you mentioned toys earlier so puzzles and games uh trying to get puzzles it's it's it's, it's like toilet paper. It's the demand is off the charts. Everybody's allocated I'm trying to find people that really have product and ship good product has been a challenge. Um, and housewares you mentioned. So anything for home cooking, home food prep is up. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't know if this is because we're in the Seattle area, but my coffee supplies are kind of off the charts. So really? people making coffee at home, all small appliances are up. Uh, we sell SodaStream. SodaStream has been extremely strong. And, you know, people at home are going through a lot more carbonators and gas. But the coffee supplies have been terrific. And, you know, something as simple as Melita coffee filters have uh, been allocated and, uh, you know, difficult to manage inventory. But we've been able to stay in stock pretty well. Well, we do have a toy program. So I, I'm guessing puzzles and games are probably within that one. So, um, so what about and, – and you guys work with Instacart, right? Instacart, and then we also deliver through Amazon Prime now. So both okay. uh, two different home delivery options with, uh, uh, you know, same-day delivery. And they've both been terrific. So demand has gone way up on that. And uh, uh, you know, the, the big challenge there has been out of stocks and substitutions. You know, when someone places an order for Lysol wipes and the system uh, lets it go through, then then you have an issue just because they're, they're generally not on the shelf. So there's been some challenges in the really high demand products, but the overall volume has been fantastic and they're putting pet products in there too and toys, um, ordering puzzles. Uh, it's been great. We, uh, we brought in some homeschool supplies as well when schools shut down in March. So we brought in an entire selection of uh, homeschool. We actually had a planogram all set to go in a couple months later and we just moved it up by a few months. And uh, so it was, it was a, it was a great thing to do. It was extremely popular solid line of products and we put them all on instagram right away and been very popular products for uh, home delivery well well you know that makes sense i mean everybody's been forced i think there's two things there one like everybody was forced to work from home or uh you know learn from home you know not like people like me i've been doing it for six years but you know, now these people that are working from home, I think a lot of them, a lot of companies are realizing, you know what, there are efficiencies here and some people can continue doing that. I know we're going to work, you know, our marketing team is going to work from home a lot more, even once this is passed. 
And I think that's going to happen in more cases. Do, yeah. you, do you see we, that happening? We see that too. The Every supply chain meeting I'm in on right now predicts this to be ongoing for the for some time. Um, and most people are saying that the the likelihood is there is a second wave that's already in progress mm-hmm. and uh it's going to de- it's going to depend on how people react to it but more than likely people are going to extend stay-at-home orders uh our office uh our stay-at-home request has been extended through labor day now for us so uh the office is open for you know needs if you need to go in there with mm-hmm. uh, all the various social distancing guidelines in place but the request is for people to work from home through Labor Day now, and then we'll reevaluate at that time. It makes sense. I mean, why take a chance that you don't have to if you're still getting your stuff done the way things are right now? Yep. And for the most part, you can do everything you need to do remotely, so it's it's not too bad of a setup. Yeah, well, speaking of that, so how has the remote thing impacted your role, your day-to-day? You know, uh, um, have you adapted easily or...? It, it hasn't been too difficult for me. I, um, you know, generally before when I worked at home, I'd throw my laptop out on the dining room table and just do a little work there. And uh, when it became uh, an extended stay, it was time to find a new place than the dining room table. So I've got a little home office set up here. Mm-hmm. have an old TV that I pulled out of storage and plugged in as a second monitor. And uh, so I've got two screens and uh, I've got my office phone forwarded to my cell phone and it's all good. I do regular web meetings and uh, it really hasn't been too difficult. And my favorite part is I'm a bit of a vinyl junkie. So I've got my record player on my desk too. And I can't play my records at work in my cubicle. So I'm really enjoying that aspect of pulling out some uh, vintage vinyl or, or some new vinyl and listening to it while I'm working. That's, my favorite That's very cool. Well, for, for all the youngins out there, by vinyl, he means those old records. That That's the way we all used to listen to music. <laughs> These big 12-inch discs looks like a, like a licorice pizza. <laughs> it's amazing. That's two iterations ago, right? You had the CDs and then, you know, the vinyls. It's funny. I brought up something during the meeting today um, where we were talking about transitioning of brand names, and I brought up. John John Mellencamp, how he did the transition from John Cougar, then it was John Cougar, John Cougar Mellencamp, and then it was John Mellencamp over like a bunch of years. So it was kind of subtle. And then uh, one of my colleagues who's same age as me is like, uh, I think we need to explain who John Mellencamp is to everybody else who's on the call. So I kind of dated myself with that one. I had an email chain this morning with an executive vice president who shall remain nameless. Um, and um, and he, he typoed my name and said Bowie instead of Howie. So uh, there you go. Pictures of David Bowie exchanged on company email this morning. Oh, I can imagine. I can imagine. Any of the uh, Ziggy Stardust? <laughs> Several. <laughs> cool. So, uh, yeah, so it sounds like you haven't missed a beat, and, uh, you know, which brings us to, you know, the virtual session. So last year, you and I were together in person at PET and then at PET CBD, and, um, uh, you know, now we transition to virtual, obviously, because, you know, we have to. So I wanted to get your take, what your initial thoughts, you know, once we let you know about it, and then, you know, 
how did uh, you work with our guys to get prepared? Well, uh, in general, I'd say I loved it. I, I was uh, I was very happy with how it worked. Uh, I have done a couple other virtual uh, meetings and trade show like things this week as well. And uh, the ECRM setup by far is uh, best in class. It was it was really great. So um, I'm I'm kind of wowed at how you put it together so quickly. So that's just a gushing compliments first of all. Well, thank um, you. Preparation was pretty much the same as a normal show, honestly. I did, really didn't do much difference reviewing the suppliers, taking a look through the products they're going to offer, um, and uh, really not any different preparation than it would have been for a physical show. Mm -hmm. The meetings themselves, generally what I'd do is if they had uploaded a presentation, I'd throw it on my second screen, so I just had it in giant, easy-to-read font for old guys. and. Uh, uh, and then I just kind of talk to them and, and watch the presentation while looking at, at the actual second screen presentation as well. Um, it was probably about halfway through I realized I could enlarge it to full screen on the window there, um, which was helpful. But I also like being able to have the second screen open for notes and looking at past notes. Mm -hmm. um, so that whole process worked well. The challenges, I would say, occasional bandwidth issues with some of the vendors. Um, had a few people where their video would drop off, um, but I could still hear them. Um, it wasn't too bad, but it came up occasionally. Mm -hmm. um, the vendors that wanted to just hold products up to their camera, that's pretty tough. It's really hard to see on a small screen there. So it's, it's not like handing it across the table. So that doesn't really work as well in the virtual world. Mm -hmm. Having the products either in the presentation or on uploaded through RangeMe on that side screen where you can look at products on the sidebar yep. is definitely the best way for a vendor to do it where I can I can click on that and see it and they can walk me through those is better than trying to hold it up to a camera. It doesn't really work that well. Yeah, we actually recommend, uh, we have actually, I did a video with somebody uh, that is sent out to everybody in advance uh, which is guidelines, yeah, best practices for delivering a virtual presentation. And that's one of the things that we talked about was, sure, I mean, you can, you can, you know, hold stuff up to the screen, but some people might prefer a mock-up, like a 3D rendering, so that you can kind of get a sense. Uh, I mean, I do hear people say, you know, it's, sometimes it's good to have product on hand just to hold it so that they could see the scale, the size of it. But as far as the, for the details, nothing beats a 3D mock-up on a screen. So it's, it's one of the best practices but that we try to, uh, to give to everybody. And, um, you know, so, and then uh, when you, you know, the bandwidth thing, and we've seen it happen. We try to address that in advance by, you know, we do the test runs. Did you do a test run? Yep, did a test run. Worked, worked just fine. Perfect. And that's, so we'll do a test run, and then uh, we'll give them recommendations. Uh, I, but you know what? We had 1,600 meetings this week that we hosted. So that's hundreds of computers, hundreds of Wi-Fi networks. Something's bound to happen with some of them. So I think the mm -hmm. key is that's why we try to have our staff right on top of it. So if something happens, they jump in right away. Yeah, the, I only had one meeting out of 15 hours of meetings that really had any significant issues. Mm -hmm. And just like you said, staff member jumped in, uh, kind of suggested quick troubleshooting on refreshing the screen. 
worked just fine. We're back in and and back on with the meeting. So it, it was resolved very quickly. So it was, it was it was nice to see that help jump in as quickly as they did. Yeah, well, we have a dashboard, and they all see it, and they can see if you hit the, the uh, customer support button, a flag goes up, boom, they're right on top of it. Sometimes they even jump in beforehand. Like if they notice that there's only one person in a meeting room and it's 30 seconds in, they'll jump into it and just make sure, hey, is your person here or we'll go get – they'll go get them, just like at an in-person session. And, yep. um, you know, that's to your point before of when you mentioned, you know, the speed in which we're able to do this. Um, I think one of the interesting things is that really – the process and the format has not changed. We layered the platform on top of it, but everything in the back end that we would do with you prepping and during a session is kind of the same. So now it's mm -hmm. just we added the tools to it. So we were able to really focus on those tools. And, you know, I just love the platform. I think it's a very slick design too. And, it, you know, with the, the features. So it's a little, you know, it's, it's made for you guys. It's not, you know, Zoom is great but it's not made for us you know our industry you know uh, these specific meetings so what about the tools which tools did you use on the platform you know the notes and all that um notes obviously i think is the most used thing so i'll, I'll take a fair amount of notes mm -hmm. during a meeting and i lo always love and this goes back to the in-person meetings too, the ability to pull up the past notes too including notes from other shows where maybe i didn't go but one of my co-workers went to and you know you get people that um you know one example from this show somebody who was in the medical field that moved into the pet field so i saw the notes from the meeting with the pharmacy team and i'm like oh this is good to see who they've talked to already and what they talked about i i love that ability so note taking is number one for me mm -hmm. um i really liked uh having right there on the screen all the information that the vendors uploaded, whether if they've uploaded one sheets or their presentation, I like having that right there on the side screen that I can bring up as needed. Um, so that was pretty handy. And then again, having the product, uh, the product tab with all the products you can look at and request samples of. Mm -hmm. I did find that was probably the least used by vendors. So it, some vendors did a great job of uploading products there and others had it blank. So, um, uh, I definitely use it and would recommend that everybody do put their products in there. It makes, mm -hmm. makes it much easier for me if I can pull them up and request the samples there that way. Yes, and, and that's the thing, you know, in this day and age, the one thing that you cannot do with virtual is touch and feel and taste and smell. And, but that's the point of the samples, requesting the samples. And, you know, you could, do, you could still do it. You just can't do it there through this. Every pet food category manager will tell you that they've been in a meeting or many, many meetings where someone has offered the treat to the buyer to try. You can eat it. It's human grade. Go ahead. You yeah. eat a dog treat. Um, and, uh, I, and I have. So Me too. I'll admit that. But I will tell you that I enjoyed not having that ability happen during a virtual show. It's funny. I've done that too. At, at, in fact, I believe it was at last year's session. There was a... Uh, this is a vendor that had pet treats that looked like cookies with, you know, kind of uh, uh, cream on top or whatever. And I tried it. But, you know, the thing is that, you know, they're not going to be sweet. So, it, it, you know, I'm sure the dogs would love it. But, uh, but, you know, it just had a kind of bland taste for humans. It's not 
I, they can't make it. But it gives you a shady coat. So. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> I shine here. I tend to, you know, it's hotter in my apartment during the day. I'm like, do I need to start using powder like the news people do? And, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's great. And now, since everything, uh, I think that's a key point, too, is the fact that all of the, that information from your previous sessions resides in the system. So you can call it up. Uh, and now, uh, and you can access it for your follow ups as well. So, uh, what about, you know, the differences in virtual and in person as far as efficiency now, right? Because you're not traveling, you, know, you don't have to travel to and from, you know, uh, have you noticed the difference in there and, and the amount that you're getting done? Yeah, it, there's definitely a big benefit for me on efficiency, not traveling. Uh, a lot of shows tend to be uh, Central or East Coast, you know, so mm -hmm. if I have to go to a show, it's frequently flying to Chicago or Florida or Boston or somewhere in the East Coast. Even, even honestly, if I'm going down to Las Vegas or California somewhere, it's still, it's still hours out of my day between getting to the airport, mm -hmm. flying down, getting to the hotel, unpacking there's a whole day that's generally lost in, in travel. Um, and for this, it's, you know, I'm going from a normal workday meeting to seconds later to a trade show. So um, there's, a, there's a really big efficiency there for me. Um, so I like that. That will give me the capability to do more of these virtual shows than I normally would be able to. Um, so that's, I'm, I'm pretty excited about that capability to see some more stuff that I wouldn't normally see because my schedule wouldn't allow it. That's right, because you span so many different categories that we have on the general mer merchandise mm -hmm. side. So now, uh, which uh, so you're going to be going to some additional GM sh uh, sessions? I am definitely going to pick yeah. up a few GM sessions I had not planned on this year uh, because I'll be able to do them virtually. So that's uh, I'm pretty excited about that. Maybe you'll find your puzzles. Maybe <laughs> maybe I'll find my puzzles. I, I've been pretty good at finding puzzles. I'm pretty solid. excellent. Well, so uh, where do you see virtual playing a role in the future? You know, once, you know, on our end, once we, uh, once this pandemic is done, we're still going to mix them all up. We're going to have the ESIs, we're going to have the virtual sessions, and we're going to have in person. You know, where do you see the, you know, the industry going once this is over as far as virtual? I see virtual remaining kind of an important part of the mix. I, you know, obviously with in-person shows, you're still going to have that. There's some networking benefits there, whether you're just, you know, sitting around at dinner talking and meeting some new people that way. You know, you meet other retailers and other vendors just at lunch sometimes and, uh, and the big auditoriums where you're listening to a talk, things like that are great. Um, but I think you'll see more of the virtual shows taking the place of some of those just um, for time efficiencies, for budget efficiencies. Uh, Travel budgets are always a real thing you have to deal with. And, you know, it's, you know, every year for me, there's that plan of submitting the budget and there's all the shows I want to do. You know, I start with my wish list and then I start having to knock down because I've only got so many dollars to spend on my travel budget. And I've got, okay, well, this is, this is not going to happen this year. This is, well, this will happen every other year. And, and, um, so the virtual will replace a lot of those because there's there's uh, there's not going to be a cost me on all that. So um, that's that's pretty exciting for me that I'll be able to do more and see more new vendors and new products without the uh, impact on the travel budget. So you for sure it'll definitely stay part of it after the virus is gone. 
Yeah, I'm, I am going to miss doing as much traveling as I've done. I mean, I think I went to 48 sessions last year, but it's altered the way I do things too. I mean, what we're doing right now, you know, it's opened up a whole new world where last time we did the interview next to each other in person, but this kind of lets me go a little deeper, have, you know, deeper conversations. I learn a lot more. Um, you know, we can kind of, they don't have to be like so on point. We can wander a little bit, which is sometimes where I've noticed that some of the best stuff comes out and they're fun too. So, you know, once we get back to, you know, that mix, it's going to feel a little weird actually going and traveling again because mm -hmm. I've filled up my days with this and all the you know stuff that comes with it. You know, I'd add there's a great environmental benefit to doing these virtually too. So, you know, the, the carbon footprint of going to a trade show or putting on a trade show is, is significant. And uh, uh, you're, you're taking all of that out of the equation doing these virtually. So there's, there's a pretty significant environmental benefit to doing virtual shows you know what that is such a great point uh when you consider all of the people all of the flights all of the logistics of delivering everybody's samples to the sessions and you add all that up it's a pretty big footprint for each one so mm -hmm. uh that is a great point plus you know on the supplier side it does give them the opportunity to get exposure to our international buyers you know when we we do work with some uh we have european sessions as well and there are some buyers that, uh some suppliers here now they can actually participate in those uh even though they wouldn't have time you know uh to go mm -hmm. over there i think time so it's you know budget but also time is just another factor like you mentioned so it's gonna save both of that for a lot of us on both sides yep now, Howie, always a pleasure uh, chatting with you. And, uh, you know, stay safe. And uh, thanks again. I appreciate it. Okay. Thank you for having me on.